Amen. Well, you know, the last thing I want to do this morning is uh, take up a lot of your time. You know, we've heard a lot from the Word of God this morning, been so blessed by the messages John has been bringing, by the power of God within us. And I don't want us to feel bombarded, as it were, <laughs> by sermons. You know, so many times there are so many conferences. You know, I was amazed when I first came to, to the UK and I, you know, started mixing in Christian circles. And I realized how many conferences, Christian conferences they have in this country. I was astonished. <laughs> and you have people going from conference to conference to conference. And, you know, some of them were known as the conference hoppers. You get church hoppers, but you get people that go from conference to conference to conference. And, and you know, and I always wonder, how do they keep up with all that's going on? And they hear this and they hear that. And you can, in a way, understand, you know, how they get blown by uh, every wind of doctrine. And, uh, you know, we don't have to run to conferences, friends. We can just go hide in our closet. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, is he not? Amen. And you can just come before the Lord with his word and ask him to open it to you. And he will teach you and he'll show you marvelous things if your heart is, is ready to receive from him. Um, but, you know, we praise God that we have these type of things. You know? And again, I just keep coming back um, to the, you know, the thought of us being like a little oasis. And uh, it was such a blessing just talking to Ian and uh, Irene, um, the new couple uh, that I just, just moved into the house that are overseeing the site now. And, and, you know, they joined us a little bit for the praise and worship. I don't know if you saw them last night and they were so blessed and it was so lovely for them to say it's the first time in months since they've been able to praise and worship and uh, and just to see the joy on their faces being with um, fellow believers so praise God for that um, the message of the Lord has really laid on my heart for uh, and, and it's just interesting to see how the Lord ties these things together and it comes through in our times of praise and worship as well and uh, the, the thing has been burning on my heart is just this from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, uh, the love chapter, as you know. Um, one thing to always test ourselves against, <clears throat> because though we speak with the tongues of angels, and we feed the poor, and we even give our body to be burned, but we have not love, it profits me nothing. Um, so those are pretty important uh, uh, words that Paul is saying. So we have to pursue love, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, he says. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. <laughs> and as John reminded us, the late David Pawson would say, the weakest of these is hope. And it's on that that I feel the Lord is just leading me to talk this morning is about hope. So let me just pray before we just spend a few minutes in the Lord's word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we never want to come to your word just flippantly. Lord, we know it is. Lord, if we just look over history and we see how many people even paid with their very lives that we should have an English translation in our laps. And Lord, how blessed we are to even have it in on our mobile devices, and uh, Lord, how easily we can get into word studies, Lord, it took men of God years and years of study, Lord, plowing through the books, learning the languages, and Lord, today we are so spoilt with the things that we have at our fingertips, and so Lord, we don't want to come lightly to your word, we, we, we ask that you lead us by your spirit, Lord, otherwise it would just be words on a page, 
So I pray that you'd speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when I, when I last spoke to you was Saturday. I first, it feels like such a long time ago already, doesn't it? Hey, on Saturday evening. But uh, just examining ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. And, uh, you know, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And it's something that we can always do. And whenever we're together like this, uh, you know, and you spend time in praise and worship and coming around the Word of God, you, 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 you can gauge yourself. You can see where you're at on your spiritual walk, particularly when the Holy Spirit begins to convict you of things, yeah? And you realize how far I've slipped away or I've let the cares of this life get the better of me. And uh, so I want to just uh, us to turn to Proverbs 13, uh, verse 12, if you can. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Proverbs 13, verse 12, just one verse there. It says in my New King James Version Bible, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, I can understand why David Pawson would say things like, you know, because of faith, hope, and love, the weakest of these is hope. How quickly we can lose hope. And it's interesting, this come out a few times in the prayers and the scriptures that we've been reading, is hope. And we, of all people on the face of this planet, <laughs> have hope. We have hope. And just as my dad shared with me yesterday, uh, one of our family members sadly passed away because of this dreaded virus in South Africa. But to know that in the family there is hope, there is genuine hope, there is a genuine faith, and you can rejoice, even as sad as it is, but you know that this is not the end, amen? Praise God, this is not the end. We're not living for this life now, but we're living for what is to come. We have hope. But why is it that so many times throughout life we find ourselves dejected and down and discouraged? and beaten up by the things of this world. You know, when I um, was studying and I had the privilege of, of spending time with, uh, you know, many old pastors or missionaries and they'd come in there sometimes and they'd share their 40, 50 years of running the race. And, you know, they would always, 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 always encourage people, don't lose heart. Don't let discouragement get the better of you. You know, keep your focus on the Lord. Make sure you're there for your family. You know, they learned the hard lessons of life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Look above, look up, and all these things they would tell you. You know, and you can see the hope in their eyes. And it's something that, that so easily gets us down in this life is discouragement. I tell you what, it is a killer. So many people have lost heart and even walked away because they've lost hope. The cares of this life, the troubles and the things that come. And you know, this scripture in Proverbs talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's something that you hope for. Now we can think of our hope even in this world. So many things that we hope for, you know, before you even married, you hope for the right spouse and you hope that you'll have good godly children and you hope you'll have a good job and a good income. And these are things that we hope for in the world, yeah? 
But how many times that doesn't happen? And it's a crushing experience. You know, even a thing like perhaps you've aspired to a position at work or something like that, and somebody else snuck in next to you and took that position that you were working so hard for. That can crush someone, yeah? Even some young people got their eye on somebody, you know, and then somebody else comes along and snatches them away. It's a crushing experience. Life is full of these things, full of them. And we'd be doing our children a disservice if we didn't warn them. You know, even you think of entering into relationships, you know, (laughs) I used to smile, you know, when I was at Bible school, because some people call it bridal school. It's where people go to meet their, their, their future husband or wife. And I used to, you know, because I, I obviously went later in life, I was already married. So then you see these young couples, you know, they start uh, uh, teaming up, as it were, and they keep it secret. Nobody knows, you know. <laughs> and then one day they come out with this announcement, you know, and everybody's like, oh, I, we didn't know. <laughs> but it was so obvious. But you know, you see, because you know, those of us who are older and we've been through life, you know that even entering into a relationship with somebody, it's, it's risky, isn't it? Yeah. It's got all kinds of heartache along the way. And these things can crush us and the people in the world. You know, I often think to myself, for those that don't have the Lord, not in Christ, they don't have the Spirit of God living within them, I wonder to myself that there isn't more suicide. Because what must it be like to live if there's nothing other than the things in this world that you know is always going to let you down? It's going to let you down and it's going to let you down. And you can see why the writer wrote this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's a hope that is delayed. It's a hope that has not come to pass. It makes your heart sick. It can crush you. Utterly crush you and how many people sadly have even ended their lives because a relationship went sour suicide is a massive issue in today's world I remember even in high school Renee might remember um, a young lad took his life and the note that he left was just very simply school pressure was too much he'd hardly even started life you see But the pressures of life were so much. Hope deferred made the heart sick. He got to a point where he realized there's nothing for me to live for anymore. Made the heart sick. And he took that dreadful decision. And how many times in life, you know, the things that we hope for, and they deferred, they delayed, or they crushed, seemed to dwindle away. And our heart Get sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life, okay? So what he's saying there is when that thing that you're hoping for comes to pass, it, it excites you. So when you know, even in this world again, if you think of things that you hope for and you've worked towards, and it finally comes to pass, you rejoice. You know, you think even again in, in, in worldly settings, I guess if somebody gets a promotion at work and, you know, uh, go back and the dad goes back to the family and he says, I've, I've got the job, I've nailed the position. You know, the family would rejoice, they'd be rejoicing, even though it's a temporal thing. But even in a worldly setting, we can see that. When the desire comes, when that thing you have hoped for comes to pass, there's life, there's excitement in it. And people rejoice and they celebrate with you, even in the world but of course we think of this in the spiritual sense don't we 
if this world is all that we had to live for, our hearts would be awfully sick. <laughs> okay? There's not much that we can really put our trust in, in, in the world. In fact, if you go, I, I quote it many times, and I've still not done this, I've said this many times, but I, it, I've been told that if you take your Bible and dissect it exactly in, the, in half, in the middle, and again, you can go count the verses yourself. <laughs> I've never done this, so I hope it's true. I've read it. But they say, if you could do that, equal amount of verses this side, Old Testament and New, equal amount of verses that side of the Bible, right at the center of the Bible, you will find Psalm 118, verse 8 and verse 9. I think one day, when I have time, I'll count the verses. Although with electronic tools, you can do it these days, so I'm probably just being lazy. But this is what it says. And you imagine if somebody for the first time opens their Bible and they ask themselves, where should I go? Oh, I know. I'll go to the middle of the Bible. And they'll Google, what is the middle of the Bible? And they end up right here. And they'll see this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Okay? And then lest we missed it, verse 9 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Man is going to let you down. <laughs> okay? We're going to let you down. And I, I, I dare say this to us, you know, um, even in church settings, so many of our persons uh, that we, we, we almost idolize in, in, in church, you know, big personalities, they can let you down. You know, you can build up this wonderful picture of who this person is, because you see them preaching the truth or you see them on YouTube or whatever and then later on you find out they've just mucked it all up or they've entered into some kind of sin or something and so they crush you know so many people round about them and there was this uh, prophecy I read of years ago I think it was by Stanley Fridgen where he warned of the latter last day church and warned of those who would follow personalities says, do not follow personalities because starting off, they will lead many to Christ, but in the end, they will lead even more astray. Don't follow personalities. And I'm so encouraged when I talk to some of my younger brothers in the Lord that are really zealous for the Lord. Think of some of the friends at um, Thomas's place, young guys there. They're not interested in the big names. <laughs> they don't want to hear the big names. They just want to hear what's the Lord saying. Explain to me the word of God. They, want to, they don't want to know. They don't want all the celebrity Christianity that we've been plagued with over the last few years. Big ministries centered around a name. Don't put your confidence in man. They will let you down. Only look to the Lord. And I say this even to husbands and wives. We can so depend on the other one. And maybe the other one is a bit more spiritual than you. Or they make you think that they are. I don't know what it's like in your marriage. But let's say it goes wrong. And sadly, so many marriages go wrong, even in Christian circles. It should not be, but it happens. Where is your hope? Where is your trust? You see? And God forbid, even if the Lord should take that person out of your life through illness or whatever it may be, will your whole world collapse? 
Or is your faith and your trust in the Lord? Amen? And you can still stand in the Lord. But this life, my friends, offers us so much pain and so much heartache. It is sometimes overwhelming. And I know that some of us, even sitting here, and those of us listening in, many of us have been through experiences where you felt utterly overwhelmed by the precious and the crushing experience of something that went wrong in your life. In this life, you will have tribulation. Jesus warned us. It's going to be tough. And it is tough. There's no getting around it. But friend, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Please turn with me to Isaiah 61, please. You know, we can get so lost times in uh, theology, <laughs> which is, a, you know, we're, we're all theologians, if you like, study, study the person of God and, and, and the things of God. And uh, it's so um, nice when we come together and we talk about uh, spiritual things and uh, understanding great theological concepts and... Uh, you know, it's a good thing to do. But I love the fact that when you come to the heart of God, as it were, and you see the very person who we love talking about and trying to work out how all things fit together and work together, theology, you know, all this stuff, and you see the very heart of who he is, and you see this in Isaiah 61 from verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn, in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Do you know who quoted those very verses in the New Testament? Please also turn to Luke chapter 4, if you can. Luke chapter 4. From verse 16, please. As in the times of Jesus when he was walking the face of this planet. And uh, isn't it interesting this morning in our prayer time we were talking about some of the dangers going around in Christian circles where people doubt 
and even sometimes teach against the de deity of Jesus and uh, the Trinity. And this is something I believe we might see more and more as the days go by, and we need to be on our guard. You know, that Christmas, famous Christmas, Isaiah, unto us a child is born, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, amen, everlasting Father. This is talking of Jesus. And uh, Jesus came and he walked the face of this planet. And this is shortly after the time when he was uh, tested by Satan in the wilderness. In verse 16, it says, So he came to Nazareth. This is Luke 4, 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had uh, been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he found Isaiah chapter 61, although they didn't have chapters. He would have opened the scroll and he would have found the place where this was written. And he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable here of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said, and he began to say to them, sorry, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What a statement Jesus was making. But of course, when you look back in Isaiah, you'll see, which is quite key, where you see Jesus actually stopped at a comma where he leaves out the section following the day of the vengeance of my Lord. And this is something I think is so important that we're living in the acceptable here of the Lord. Do you believe that now? This is even now we are living in the acceptable here of our Lord, the day of harvest, if you like, okay? And he is delaying his coming back to this earth because the day of the Lord, when it comes, it is a dark day. It is a gloomy day. It's going to be a dreadful day. And he has given us all this space of time. As some teachers once said before, that comma has lasted for <laughs> over 2,000 years. The acceptable here of the Lord. And we are still in that time. The acceptable here of the Lord. Okay? But the day of the vengeance of our Lord is coming. It is coming. And it's coming upon the face of this very earth when he will judge the nations. And he will bring everybody to account. But this is the time of the acceptable here of the Lord. Now listen to what Jesus says, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Son of God, okay? This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you see? How easily we can get lost in all the theology of things, if you like, the clever things we talk about. Jesus is concerned with the brokenhearted and the captives. And he has come to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. 
and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And friends, you know, when Jesus laid down his life and he died three days in the grave and then raised back to life, walked to these disciples and he ascended into heaven, he promised them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Of course, Pentecost Day came, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He sent out all those servants to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the great time of harvest that you and I are in, and I believe drawing to the end, drawing near the end. But it is a message of hope, <laughs> yeah? You and I have hope. Do you believe that this morning? <laughs> Do you believe that when you die, even if it is tonight, that you're going to be in glory with the Lord? We don't just live for this life now. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy. Why is it when these rich, young football stars, they've got nothing more to live for when they've had their Lamborghinis and their Ferraris? And I love cars. My family knows I love cars. Ian Bart is laughing because he knows. <laughs> we had a naughty street race down the road once. We shouldn't have done that, Ian. But there's nothing in this world that can truly satisfy, friends. If those are the things we are living for. Why? You know, even today, you know, we have two-year uh, 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 two rolling mobile phone contracts. And you'll see amongst young people today, that's, not long, that's, that's too long for them to wait for the next model. Yeah? Two years is too long. After a year or a few months, no, we want the next one. We want the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. It's like get bored with life. And you wonder, where's it all going to end? And what they're going to be like if these things are taken away from us? If that is where our life, if that is where our sights us, you know, buying the next best car or upgrading the house and all these things that we do give us a little bit of excitement in life. No, none of these things last. That is not where our hope is. And friends, our lives are full of heartache and pain. There is no getting away from this. If I could go around asking each family here, just to talk, talking a little bit about some of the heartaches and the things that you've been through, I'm pretty certain some of you, even remembering these things, you'd move, be moved to tears when you start rethinking some of the things you've been through, even as a child. Disappointments, crushing experiences, all these things. And you know it's for these things that the Lord came into this life. He knows our sad and sorry state as human beings. And isn't it amazing that he should come from eternity into this world to come and say these words, to anoint me to preach the gospel, the good news. <laughs> yeah? Did you know it's good news? Good tidings. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. When was the last time you just went before the Lord and said, Lord, my heart is broken. My heart is shattered. And you just allow him to comfort you by his Holy Spirit. Yeah? Who's ever experienced that comfort from the Holy Spirit, a supernatural comfort? It is a most beautiful thing, even in the most horrific experience in your life. This is the hope we have as believers in God. Amen? That we can know that comfort that surpasses all understanding 
And you just got to wonder how people in the world manage without this hope. But you and I have this hope. But we so easily get discouraged and we walk around dejected and sad. When you turn to Hebrews chapter 6, I think uh, somebody quoted this in one of the, the prayer times. I'll read from verse 17, Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 17. Now remember the writer to the Hebrews is urging the believers there not to go back to their old lives to escape persecution. Okay, he's urging them, he's encouraging them, don't, don't do it. You were bought with a price. Don't turn back. He's reminding them, you haven't even resisted to bloodshed yet. Come on, stand strong in the faith. Don't turn your back just to save your own skins, as it were. Verse 17 of chapter 6 says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability, that's the unchangeableness, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable, unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad about that, yeah? Because we, we get lied to all the time. <laughs> And this is something fundamental in our human nature. We hate being lied to. When somebody gives you a half-truth or a lie, it hurts, particularly if it comes from people you love. You feel betrayed. And people will just scoff it off and say, oh, it's just a lie. Come on. But it hurts deep inside, and it's supposed to. Because lies are not of God. They're of the father of lies, which is Satan. Okay? And that is something that is rooted within us. You know, there's some feelings I believe God has built within us. And I, I spoke the other night at our church about jealousy. And, uh, you know, how, even in modern days, we have made jealousy, I guess, a negative word. But actually, God is a jealous God. He's jealous for you and for me. He doesn't want to share us with anybody else. It's not a um, controlling thing. It's not a coveting thing. You covet things that you don't have, but you're jealous for the things that you do have. Husbands, we should be jealous for our wives. <laughs> if somebody else makes eyes at them, yeah? Let that feeling arise. <laughs> Let them know. No, 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 sir. Uh-uh. Timothy does this thing. He goes, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's like not going there. <laughs> not going to happen. Be jealous for your wife. God is jealous for us. The Spirit of God yearns within us jealousy, jealously, it says. In the book of James, I believe it is. So it says, by these two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Praise God. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. This is amazing. Where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order 
of Melchizedek. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Think of an anchor for a minute. I've never really studied ships or anything, but those anchors, even if you see the picture of them, they are humongous things, and they anchor in, and they keep it steadfast, even though the the raging waves, that that ship is is steadfast. It's not going to move. This is an anchor for our soul. Hope, friends, that we have. Jesus has gone before us. Don't let hope be deferred in your heart so your heart becomes sick. We have a hope that is steadfast. In Titus 2 verse 13, Titus 2, I'll read from verse 11. Titus 2, from verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just on point, what we were talking about this morning, Jesus not being God, there's this teaching going around, okay? There's so many scriptures in the Bible you can look at where it talks about Jesus being God. And even when Jesus spoke himself, there are some things that we called, um, uh, um, called, I forget the word, but it's Christology, where he's implicit Christology, where he's implying, even in his very language, I am God. And when the, the, the clever rabbis and the Pharisees and these people picked up on it, they wanted to, they wanted to sort him out because it's blasphemy. But he had these little clues all the way through teaching us that he is God. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Do you believe that there is a day coming when Jesus will return? Okay, some of us might pass away before that, but we may just be that generation. And I believe right through our church history, many of them lived like that all the time. We may just be that generation that will hear that trumpet sound and see the Lord Jesus return to come and uh, take his saints unto himself. And this is something so amazing. My grandmother in South Africa, she lives from September, Feast of Trumpets. She believes he's going to come on the Feast of Trumpets as many people do. She lives year by year, just waiting and waiting and waiting every year. Got that expectation. And some people think it's foolish to live that way, but I think not because she's always ready. Amen? That's the thing. We should always be looking for our blessed hope. And it's real to us. It's not a fairy tale. (laughs) It is genuine. It is real. And we've got to confess these things and profess them. We've got to look up for our redemption draws near. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. 
It's a blessed hope, friends, a blessed hope that you and I have. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time there is a hope <laughs> okay it's something again god has built within us friends in this world we aspire to things okay we don't just aimlessly go about our daily lives we aspire to things as human beings we want to build things we want to build our families we want we want to aspire to things we want to see things happen particularly in the western world we want to build big cities and we want to see prosperity. And we want to make a name for ourselves, but like the Tower of Babel. You know? But as human beings, we want to aspire to something. And we want to store up treasures. We want to have lots of stuff to make our lives easier. It's all misplaced. All misplaced in this world. Because Jesus said we should store up our treasures in heaven. Okay? So that feeling of aspiring and rewards and these things is something God has put within us, a hope within us, but where no moth, no thief, no rust can get to it is in heaven. These are our works done in faith, friends. And these things are real. And I always think to myself, you know, we, we, we like talking about the saints of old. Many of them have written their books. You know, we have the great heroes of faith, I always like to think to myself, you know, yeah, these great names and they did fantastic things, but I always like to think to myself, what about the nobodies, yeah? What about those that nobody even heard their name? You could mention their name this morning. No one would have even heard of them. But when you get to heaven, my goodness, are you going to know their name? And you're going to think, wow, did we not know about this person? And I tell you what, friends, that could be you. That could be you. Sitting there quiet, <laughs> thinking, what have I got to offer? But if you live a life of obedience, remember John said and quoted that scripture, obedience, better than sacrifice. God's not interested in our sacrifice in that sense. Obedience is the key thing. And when you do your works in obedience, man, those are when the rewards flow. And who knows what's waiting for you on that side. Amen. And by God's grace, I always say to Renee, you know, she, she, she sometimes goes, oh, you know, God's building us mansions and dwelling places. I hope we can live together. I said, well, I'll invite you over to my mansion. every night. <laughs> she's like, well, I might have a bigger one than yours. You never know. <laughs> but we should be thinking heavenly friends. I really think, you know, as John was saying, let, uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards said, eternity stamped on our eyelids. 
Come on. This is what's going to help us through these days that lie ahead. So many more people are saying this to us, aren't we? And we can sense that we're going into difficult times. And indeed, Jesus promised it, so it's going to happen, okay? We've had a nice run, I guess, uh, in the times that we've lived here in the West. But you just got to pan your eyes across the globe and you see how most other Christians live in the world, yeah? We have it fairly easy. We shouldn't be complaining. I even say to people often, you know, we come from South Africa and people complain about pay, paying taxes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Don't complain about paying taxes in this country. At least you can see where it goes, mostly. You know? <laughs> in Africa, you know, Marianne knows as well. My word, in Africa, you're paying maximum tax and, yeah, well, it's not, let's not comment. <laughs> And uh, there's so much corruption. There's so much corruption wherever you go in other parts of the world, friends. And, uh, but we, we, we've been very spoiled here in the West. I just want to finish off with Romans 5, if we can, just to, to show us how lovely Paul, I believe, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he brings these three things together, the faith, the hope, and the love, friends. If you're in the faith, you've got hope, amen? And then the greatest of these is love, all right? And we know from John's writings, he says, God is love. And in Romans chapter 5, he says, therefore, and you know, just before I read it, you know, I always just have to throw this one out when you read the book of Romans. It was one of my Bible teachers that encouraged us and I found it so helpful because many regard Romans, uh, the book of Romans as Paul's sort of greatest piece of writing, his theology, you know, you know knitting everything together and uh, encouraged us, read the book of Romans from chapter 1 verse 1 right to the end in one sitting and once you've done that, do it again and once you've done that, do it again, one sitting, all, all the chapters of the book of Romans doesn't take a very long time and you begin to follow Paul's argument the case that he's building as it were it all begins to fit in place even God's purposes for Israel we're so lovely to be reminded of that again this morning everything begins to fall in place and how we all fall short of the glory of God we all need to be saved amen Jew and Gentile all alike we need to be saved and that it's by faith. And then in, in chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. So remember, we asked the question, are we in the faith? Examine to see if you are in the faith. Because if you are in the faith, you've been justified by your faith. Praise God. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you rejoice in the hope that you have? You should be. <laughs> if we really begin to think about the things that is waiting for us, the things that Jesus purchased for us with his very blood, there is so much for us to rejoice about even in this wretched life. <laughs> and it must drive the enemy bonkers. And not only that, verse 3, but we also glory in tribulations. 
Well, that's what Paul thinks anyway, but I think most of us don't glory in our tribulations. <laughs> but we can, we can glory in our tribulations, knowing, knowing this, that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, friends, hope. Do you see that? Hope. There is hope. This is not I hope that South Africa wins the World Cup in 2019 like we did and then they did win. But it's not that type of hope that can go wrong, okay? <laughs> it is an anchor of our soul. It is steadfast. It is sure. It is waiting on the other side. It has been purchased by the blood of Christ. We have a hope that is steadfast. It's not a human hope in that sense. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, praise God. <laughs> when everybody else will disappoint you and fail you and let you down, this hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit he was, as he was given to us. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. The Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts. John touched on the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, friends. You come into faith, justified by faith, but we believe there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, love of God being poured out in your heart, that your life is so transformed that you see why it could be that Peter could change the way he was and, and Saul of Tarsus could be changed the way that he was. And come into the church and people rejoice. <laughs> this man that once killed them and hunted them down. And many of you have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know how that transformed your life. And you had such a love for people that you previously really struggled with. And when you err back into the flesh, you struggle with them again. <laughs> but when you're in the Spirit, you know it's not you. It's not your love. It's the love of God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see? And this is the life, friends, that you and I have for now. As a guarantee, as a down payment, as a word, taste it for now to lead us into glory one day. But unless we lay hold of it now and we can learn to walk this life, man, when the difficult days are going to come, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. And I want to say to us this morning, it's fine. It's okay to struggle. <laughs> Okay, there are going to be times when, yes, relationships go wrong, work goes wrong, family issues go wrong, these things happen. That's where our body of Christ comes in, amen? Love for one another, praying for one another. And if there's a church, any church on this planet with just 50% or even 20 or 30% of people fully baptized in the Holy Spirit, operating in the gift of the Spirit, man, can you imagine? The Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night and say, pray for so-and-so. They will give you no sleep. 
you'll begin to pray, Lord, please fill other people with your spirit because I need to sleep, please. <laughs> You're always picking on me. But this is the wonderful miracle, friends. We're not just a faith group, you see. This is a living organism. It's the body of Christ. Do you believe that? And you can go now and climb in a plane and, and fly to the other side of the globe and go join another spiritful church. You'll feel at home. They'll speak another language, but you'll feel at home because you're part of the body of Christ. And one day when we're in glory, oh man, when you see the risen Lord and you fall into his arms, <laughs> it's going to be an amazing thing. Friends, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But I want to say to us, do not lose hope. Do not lose hope. Don't let things of this world get you down. Please, I just want to pray for us this morning. If you've uh, let that hope slide, and perhaps even, you know, it was so easy over this last few months, you know, you look at what's going on and uh, the fear of the things around about us. And, you know, let's face it, none of us really know where this is leading, where this is going. Many of us are saying we've not even really seen the after effects of all the lockdowns and the global, you know, everything that we've seen around about us. And people are afraid. People in the world are genuinely afraid. But not you and I. Not you and I. Because we have a hope. So I just want to challenge you this morning. I'm just going to give you a minute. Just sit there quietly and you just respond before the Lord and then I'm going to pray for us. The Lord will let this hope come alive again.